You know, stuff happens in, in our lives. None of us live a life that's kind of the love boat to heaven. Um, we, we live real lives, and stuff happens, and, and there's pro- probably stuff going on in some of your lives that's really deep, but God knows, and God cares, and we, we want to care too. We want to be part of that helping of you. If you see that movie, um, you'll see the real stuff that has caused that band to be able to write such songs that people across the globe identify with them because they're writing from pain and they're writing from reality and they're writing from um, the realness of life. And I want to try and preach from the realness of life. And, you know, God wants us to continually go deeper. That's what this, this sermon is about today. It's about going deeper. Recently, I've been talking about the fact that we have a king and we are part of a kingdom. And the kingdom is constantly expanding and our king is, is alive and well. Yeah. Any amens? Yeah. Any yahoos? Any, I know that. That's absolutely true. Therefore, the best thing we can do is to learn to become sensitive to his voice. Because he is the one that directs his church. Seb, um, had, uh, when he came to Christ, um, knew because God spoke to him, he was coming to Christ Church. And so he set his course specifically for Christ Church and came here several times to um, get the lay of the land and see what's going on. And he could do it with confidence because he had a king. And he's part of a kingdom that goes right across the entire world and is expanding. And God has called every single one of us to be involved doing the very stuff that he did. If we want to see the results of, that Jesus saw, we need to do the things that Jesus did. And so Jesus, we've been learning that um, Jesus had a focus on the poor, that he, he took that scripture in Isaiah and it's spoken again in, in Luke chapter 3. It's recorded that the Spirit of the Lord is on me and, and he's called me to the poor. And there's a focus towards the, the poor. And all of us actually have aspects of poverty in our lives. He's not just talking about financial, but of course people with financial problems are very open and looking for answers as well. But everybody is searching. And Jesus is wanting us to get involved with people's lives and to do action to be able to help people, to, to, to serve people. And he's also wanting us to take his power into situations, which includes casting out demons in people. And I haven't done that for a long time, but there are seasons when that just rises around people's lives and and, um, healing and, and the demonic and all of those power things can take place as well. But he also wants us, it starts from the perspective of sharing about Jesus' love. And it's a half-truth, if not a downright lie, that people will come to faith even if we never speak the word Jesus. It is a half-truth, if not a downright lie, that people will come to faith if we never speak the word Jesus. You won't find that in the Bible. What you'll find is people being told to go out and speak about Jesus' love to people. And if we want the results that Jesus saw, we need to do exactly what Jesus did. The trouble is, it's extremely hard to have time and action for people and to follow the prompts of the Spirit and to pray for people when they're sick and and to take the risks of sharing with words about Jesus because it's very unpolitically correct in New Zealand today, isn't it? You just don't do that. Don't talk politics. Don't talk Jesus. Is what we've been trained in from the, from the ground up. 
But, but Jesus is calling us to that sort of lifestyle. Yeah. Now, depending on your personality, some people will become driven in this, and they will strive, and they will work, and they will become performance people if they do not have a really deep reservoir of time with God. If we just go out and do the stuff, we can so easily become burnt out or performance-driven and become actually sort of not very nice examples of Christians. (laughs) We are to do the stuff, but we're to have... A, a clear knowledge that we are always to go deeper into God, which comes out of relationship with Him. So basically, we need to be topped up with God. Now, I've chosen a passage that I want to, um, to, to read that has this thought, um, and it's from the last week of Jesus' life. But you may, you may or may not be aware that a lot of the Gospels is the last week of Jesus' life. There's very little in the beginning. There's some... As the ministry unfolds, a lot of it is the last week. There's a huge amount of each of the Gospels that is that. I'm taking it from John chapter 14. And we are remembering, because it's Palm Sunday today, we are remembering that last week of Jesus' life. Here's the scripture. Do not let, Jesus said, your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Now, where's he talking about? Nice and loud, everyone? He's talking about heaven, isn't he? We all know that. That's wonderful. That's out in our future in front of us. But Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered and said, say it with me, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I'll just read it to you now. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. And from now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. He's meaning the miracles. Very truly, in other words, listen up. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I go to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, friends, those are incredibly powerful, encouraging words for the disciples. They're about doing kingdom stuff, just like Jesus. Well, first of all, they're about heaven, and then they're about doing kingdom stuff, just like Jesus was doing kingdom stuff. Even greater things. I was thinking, what's something greater than Jesus did? Well, have you ever prayed for anyone with... um, uh, stainless steel in their body? Yeah. 
And if you have prayed for anyone with stainless steel in their body, did it disappear? Because that is happening around the world now. But Jesus didn't do it. Well, he's doing it now (laughs) through the people. But it's greater. It's a greater miracle. And for a number of years, there have been testimonies of people who have um, gone back for x-rays and things, and the, the stainless is actually gone. But in the midst of those things about heaven and doing greater works than Jesus did when, they go, when, when the disciples go out and do the stuff, are some really interesting statements about the Father. Say Father. Father. It's a great word. Father. You see, the king that we've been um, thinking about and studying about has a father. And the disciples need to get to know the king's father. Jesus wanted them to know his father before he left. He wanted them to have a special revelation of him. So let me just kind of launch from that and ask you this question. What was Jesus' mission to the world? What did he come to do? Destroy the works of the evil one. Yes, yes. And he did that through the cross, didn't he? And so he died on the cross so that forgiveness could come to anyone that that had this revelation of their undoneness and God's love for them. They could cry out to God and say, help me, and he would completely forgive. But on the cross, not just that, the cross also, because that, that was the blood side of the cross, on the broken body side and the whipping and the beating and the crown of thorns put on and the, the punching and all of that physical side, the broken body side was for healing. And God was restoring healing back to the church, which the church has struggled with for 2,000 years. But praise God, we're in a season where this is just being embraced across every aspect, every denomination is realizing the cross. Jesus' second part of his mission was to bring healing to to the effects that have happened of sin in the world. I'm not talking people's individual sin. It doesn't say that, but the effect of sin in the world from Adam and Eve. It's It's a random, rampant thing. And there's all sorts of diseases in this world that all of us possibly could catch, but we won't. Let's, let's be positive. But what if there was a third mission, and some of you have mentioned it already, good on you, that Jesus came to fulfill. One that he put in motion, but he never spelt it out so that it was impossible to miss it. He put it out on the table, so to speak. He dropped hints about it often, And he waited to see whether any of the disciples would start to get interested in it. What if there was a third mission that God had? You know, Jesus often used parables. The purpose of parables was to tell a story in which the truth was hidden and could only be found if someone took the time to seek it out. And he said the parables are so that everyone won't get it, but those of you that are my disciples, you will get it. And he even had to explain some of the parables because they didn't get it. (laughs) But he wanted them to get it. In other words, he does cryptic things that cause us to have to think to to, to get what he's trying to say. And this is one of those passages. It's not a parable, but it's cryptic. He swaps a word. And only those listening would notice it. Can we bring up the scripture? 
and I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me, be with me there. In fact, go on to the next one. I think I've done it twice. Yeah. I will come back and I'll take you to, to be with me that you also may be where I am. He's talking about... We all agreed to that right at the beginning. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He didn't say no one comes to heaven except through me. He stops talking about a place and he talks about a relationship. And if we don't think as we're reading, we miss it. Could Jesus' third mission be to reveal the Father? Was he sent from heaven to show us what Father God is like? What if Philip's words in verses 8 and 9 were a cry from the depths of every heart, even if it hasn't yet come out of our our, our, our mouths? Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. I mean, you think about it. Jesus is there in the flesh, folks. They had him in person. They were seeing miracles of a quantity and a quality that the world had never, ever seen. And yet their hearts were crying out for more, deeper, deeper. Think of it. They had the best teacher, the best preacher, the best prophet, the best evangelist, the best pastor, the best miracle worker. And they were still looking for something deeper. Philip's heart was still crying out for more of God. Why? Because God is something called Trinity. And it wasn't until after Jesus and and some of the councils um, in Nicaea and other places in Turkey that they began to realize the Trinity nature of God and write it up as, as, as creeds to help people to understand that God wasn't appearing in three different forms, but still the same person. He was absolutely one, and it's beyond the human ability, they tell us, to be able to understand it, but he was absolutely one, but when he was... Father, Son, Spirit, he wasn't just coming in different clothes. There was distinctions between him. And so Philip and the disciples, Jesus had been laying it out and wondering, which disciple will actually notice? Who will put the dots together? Who will join the dots and realize you're searching also for the Father? Show us the Father. You see, when we find God as Father, and it takes revelation, it's not, it's not, okay, God's my Father. It's revelation, God, God is my Father. And when we find God as Father at this level, we get our destiny, we get our purpose, we get authority, we get our position as sons and daughters of God. John chapter 17, verses 1 to 7. This is called the the Lord's High Priestly Prayer. It was prayed just days, um, maybe the night before um, he actually went to the cross. And it says, After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and he prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that your Son may glorify you. For you have granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those whom you've given him. Now this is eternal life. 
that they may know you. The one, one, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. See, eternal life is not, okay, I believe. It's not a mental ascent. It's to know God. The word know is the same word of Adam knew Eve. In her completeness, to know. To know him, absolutely. It's a living, caring, loving, almost intimate relationship with God that God wants for us to be able to have. So if all you've ever known is rules and routines and, yes, I believe in Jesus, maybe you're not saved. Because what it says is, when you, when you know God, this is eternal life. To know God. To know Him. That they might know you, Father. The only true God. And Jesus Christ. You know, we, we let the focus so often be on Jesus Christ. But isn't it interesting, when the focus is on the Holy Spirit, He exalts Jesus. Yep. What we're seeing here is, when the focus is on Jesus... He exalts the Father. They keep saying, oh, no, 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 not me. You need to meet. Oh, no, 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 no. No, don't, don't give me all that glory. You need to meet Jesus. No, no, no. And you talk to Jesus. No, no. You, don't let the glory all come to me. You need to meet my Father. There's this amazing humility between this God that is Trinity. And he says, I have brought you, Father, glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Would you say the word finishing? finishing? That's a key word. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you. The New King James says, I have manifested your name. I have revealed your name is what it means to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now this is, this is before Jesus went to the cross. And he says, as he's praying, I finished. We just naturally read that, and because we know the story, we think that it, it means I've finished. He's talking about dying on the cross, and then uh, for the forgiveness of everyone's sin, and for healing, and then rising from the dead. But that hadn't happened yet. So what is the work that Jesus has, fi has finished? What was his mission that is actually accomplished? And I want to suggest to you, it's verse 6. I've revealed your name. I've revealed the name of God to people. I've revealed the name of God to people. And the name is Dad. The name is Daddy, Abba, Father. And this is incredible. For us, it's not, it doesn't stun us. You're probably thinking, yeah, well, John, I knew that. You move on. But I'm talking about here more than here. In the Old Testament, God was father, but he was father of the nation. Or he was father of the fatherless. He was father of the group, but he wasn't even called father very much at all. 
And Jesus came to reveal that God is dead. God is dead. And he was putting it out there time and time again for the disciples, waiting for Philip to put dots together. You see, when, when Philip and the disciples got that Yahweh, whom they wouldn't even say the name, was Jesus' dad. He wasn't some emanation from God, but so far removed that now he was unholy enough that he could touch humans. Jesus' dad was in Jesus, and they could touch humans. And they go, wow. And Jesus said, tick. And when we get it, that not only was Yahweh, this so holy person, God, that his name couldn't even be spoken, they could just write it. They wouldn't let it come off their mouth because it was, they were just, the Jews felt they were just not worthy enough to have that name there, was Jesus' dad, but he was their dad. And as I said, you know, when we get God as our father, we get our identity. That means we are his sons and daughters. We get our authority because we're connected to him. Some people don't get sonship and daughtership. And it's probably because of this point that the, the revelation that God is your father, God is your father, hasn't yet um, sunk down and gotten into your heart. You know, when I got saved, um, 1972, God encountered me in a very, very uh, dramatic way and I was in laughter and I was in tears, tears for quite a long time, first of all, because I was really... Um, lost and knew how unsaved I was. I knew hell was my, my destination. And, and that sat over my life for a period of time that night until, until um, my brother led me to Christ and had me to pray those words of, of asking for forgiveness and, and receiving the forgiveness that God gave. But God encountered me. I had a God encounter. And you know, for God as our Father to go from here to here we have to have encounters with him. Yeah. We have to have encounters with him. You know, in, in John 17, verse 26, it says, I have made, Jesus said, I have made you, the Father, known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me might be in them. Yeah. In order that the love that you have for me, your one and only Son from heaven, Jesus is saying, can be in a human being. That's mind-blowing. How much love has God got for you? How much encounter has God got stored up for you? See, we don't know God's love outside of encounter. I'm not getting across. <laughs> when was your last encounter with God? How important is, is it to you that, that you have an ongoing encounter with God? What God tends to do with encounters is we get, in, we get to a position 
where we have to say, I want more, or God, I've had enough, I'm just backing away. And usually it's based on pride. Because God puts us in a situation. See, it would be nice if we just went like this. God, just encounter me with your love. Thank you, Lord, 80, 85, 87, 90%. Just encounter me. Oh, no, I'm not supposed to do that. Just thank you, God. That was wonderful. We've got it. What's more important to you is, is it your reputation or is it an encounter with God? Because encounters with God tend to be messy. About three years ago, we had a, I got touched with, with just the love of God in a, the back hall over there. And uh, I ended up on the floor, rolling on the floor and laughing my head off. And I just had an amazing, refreshing encounter with God touching me. I, I have never had that kind of laughter where you laugh so much you, you actually are holding your ribs because they, if they move, every time they move, it hurts. Has anyone had that? It's great, isn't it? It's a wonderful thing, but it hurts. <laughs> I had that and more. A couple of days later, someone from the church here came to me and said, that was the devil. You need to renounce that. God doesn't do that. You see, we come to a point where we have to say, I've, I've never pulled back from any encounter that God has, has brought to my life. I've gone, yes, God, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah, but it's cost me my reputation sometimes. Yeah. I had a pastor ring up because this person had gone to another pastor and they were really confused and he rang up and I tried to explain what had happened and I got off the phone thinking, oh, well, my reputation's a bit worse <laughs> now than it really was. You know, if, if something infinite touches something that's finite, should, the finite, should we expect that the finite thing will have no reaction? This is infinite love coming upon a human being that's finite, and we expect we can just go like this. The only people that I think go like, see, have seen go like this are people that are hoping that they'll rock and roll and shake and snort and... And, and for them, there's nothing. It's like, oh God, by faith again. Yep. So it's actually all by faith, isn't it? Yeah. Sometimes experiencing more of God and getting farther from here to here will involve our reputation and our will, how willing we are to actually just say, God, I want you. Yeah. I think God did a radical surgery in me eight years after I got saved. Saved in 72. And in, in 1980, I went to um, a... Uh, a crusade and a person was preaching there about father and many of us can't get father down here because of father blocks in our lives we've been gone through experiences with our earthly fathers that have tarnished and hurt and damaged us and we are just resistant to the word father and so this this knowledge of a father that embraces us, puts his arms around us, cares for us, can look after us through every day of this world and every day of eternity. We just can't get there because we've got bad experiences from our own father. And my father went through World War II. He was a damaged man. Um, he came back damaged. He, he went to war damaged from things that had happened in his own upbringing. 
I tried to get away from my father virtually every day of my life. I got to the stage in later years where I just hated him. I loathed him. He was angry. He, I could never, ever please him. There were all sorts of incidents that went on with me and my father. And this man's up there preaching about fathers. And God comes on me in the midst of this meeting. And I'm a wreck. Absolute wreck. People looking at me see tears. They see me rolling or down on, the, on my knees on the floor. Snots just coming out of my nose and running down my face. It's just, I'm a mess. And God's asking me, will you forgive your father for all that he's done? I remember a time when I was about 15 years, 14 years of age and I was sent to my room by my dad and I was so angry, I picked a clock up. You remember when things called clocks? It was a big one like this and I threw it at the large mirror on the dresser at the very centre with all of my force and the moment it was out of my hand, I'm thinking, I've got to get there. Just stop it. But I couldn't. But it just bounced off without breaking. But I was just so mad at him, so angry. And there I am in 1980, forgiving my father. Now I want to tell you that the knowledge of God as father just dropped. God is my father. And I could look at my earthly father, and I can honestly say, without any of that angst and that anger and stuff coming up in, in the years after that, and... God slowly began to, we began to be able to build uh, to a certain degree with him in those years. But some of you will be facing exactly the same things. Some of you, your fathers have done things that they should never, ever have done. And you, you've lived with that all your life. And what it does, they say, is it, it clamps your emotional life at the age that it happened to you. So we grow up physically, but we're still eight emotionally. And the button can be just pressed at that point for what happened there. I just want to tell you here today, if you will forgive, it is the most powerful thing in the universe. It comes from the cross, the ability to forgive. If you will forgive, you will set yourself free, absolutely free. And there'll be some of you here today that you might want to be able to do that. Can I have the band come, thanks? And we're just going to have a time now of... Um, of going deeper. And I just encourage you to, um, to just do your own, your own talking and discussing with God. But if you want prayer for any reason, you're welcome to come down here and we'll have, have people that can pray with you and pray for you. Sometimes that's a very helpful thing. But let's just stand, eh?